you getting a Taco Bell that you're paying 12, 20 bucks for? Uh, sometimes it's just <laughs> 20 bucks. We got me, we got Lore, and we got three dogs in the car. Come mm. on. What do the dogs get at Taco Bell? Uh, they all get a side of steak. <laughs> you can order a side of steak they will give you steak in a little cup they each get their little cup of steak and they love it <laughs> so yeah that's wow what they yeah as a dog owner do you get stuff for dogs at other drive throughs i unfortunately yes <laughs> <laughs> what are the other things uh in mcdonald's they get a cheeseburger no onions, no 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 pickles. Uh, we have stopped giving them the bun with it. They just get the meat at Arby's. Uh, Arby's roast beef sliders. They love roast beef sliders. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's this is not. I'm not recommending this to other dog owners. <laughs> this is this is what they get. This is our spoiled dogs here. That's fabulous. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, and then there's in Heber. I don't know if you ever go down to Heber, but there's the place on Main Street. There, it's called Dairy Keen. Um, it's a place they've got great shakes and stuff. Uh, there they get corn dogs. And so what happens <laughs> when they see dogs in your car at, at, at that place, they're like, oh, would your dogs like a tree? And we're like, sure. And so they hand us these little dog biscuits. We hand them to the dog and they just kind of sit there with it in their mouth or they spit it out <laughs> because then they're just waiting for their corn dogs. And it's like, these dogs are so spoiled. Yeah. Who Cares About Men's Health provides information, inspiration, and motivation to better understand and engage in your health so you feel better today and in the future. Plus, it's a place where we can talk about health as men. There's not a lot of those opportunities out there. We kind of get a bad rap for not wanting to talk about it, but it's something we should talk about, and that's why we do it here. And my name is Scott, and I like to proclaim loud and proud, I care about men's health. And I'm Troy, and I am also proud that I care about men's health. Uh, thank you for joining us on the first show of 2021. Fingers crossed for a better 2021. I went up to that little uh, New Year's baby. You know, you know that you know the visual, right? The old guy wearing the old year sash, the baby yeah. wearing the new year, and I just whispered in its ear. I just said, "You better be better than this." <laughs> like, come on, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like threatening 2021 already. I'm threatening yeah. 2021 is is barely a week old, and I'm yeah. up in its face saying. You better be better than this. 2020 hasn't even learned to speak yet, and you're threatening it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it's come to. It's how desperate we are. All right. So today's show is um, talking about a concept called cognitive load. (laughs) 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 I totally said cognitive load. You totally said cognitive load. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ran into this. So this is what this is all about. A difficulty concentrating on something like maybe you used to be an avid reader and you pick up a book and you can barely get through a page because you find yourself totally distracted or you find yourself totally distracted in your work or your personal life. You can't focus on one thing for any amount of time. Um, there could be an explanation for that. And cognitive load <laughs> will help us find what that explanation is. That, is. Is that Beavis or Butthead? Which, which... <laughs> That's that's like the one impersonation I can do is those but, two guys. But which which guy is uh, it that, that laughs like that? That's yeah, butthead, that's, right? That's butthead. Yes, uh, that's butthead. Okay, <laughs> this is like a total nineties nineties flashback. <laughs> you thought cognitive load? <laughs> yeah, yeah, cognitive load. Head <laughs> <It> rules. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> how long did, it was? This like your nineties? It was like. Very, 
<laughs> doing Beavis and Butthead impersonations. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. Total throwback. I got to I got to give a shout out to to uh, James Maynard and Barry Coles here, two of my friends from from my youth, and uh, that just reminded me of watching Beavis and Butthead with them. So, That's thanks for that. Fantastic. <laughs> yep, you're welcome. All right, so I digress. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, see, no, this is perfect. This perfectly explains what I'm trying to talk about. Trouble yeah. focusing. Trouble. Exactly. I was going to say, does this podcasting count here too? Because clearly we're distracted. So um, this whole this whole concept is if you've been having a hard time focusing or um, just even getting things done, uh, paying attention, you feel more mentally exhausted than normal. It could be because of COVID-19, and we're going to use this concept of co cognitive load to explain that. So um, during the past year, a lot of people's routines that they've had, many of us for years, have been significantly disrupted. So the power of routine can actually help save mental energy. So all these new routines means more cognitive load. And what that means is you start experiencing these symptoms of concentrating or feeling more exhausted or, you know, you can't focus on a book. And you probably have other things in your life that used to be routine, and it seems pretty simple the new way that you have to do it, but it still takes over that um, that working memory, which then, you know, that's tiring. Always thinking about how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? That's why we have habit and routine. So thing number one is if you have a lot of new routines in your life and you find yourself having the troubles that we talked about at the top of the uh, the episode, uh, we'll talk about how to solve that. But that could be one of the reasons why you're experiencing some of that mental fatigue or inability to concentrate. Um, you know, Scott, and I think one thing we always used to complain about, but I think we all miss now is commuting. I mean, that was a time in the day that was a part of our routine. And you've mentioned it before, how it was sort of like your separation, like moving from home life to work life, and then the return then to home life and leaving work behind, where that commute is now gone. And that was just something I think for so many of us, that drive is second nature, or that bus ride or train ride or whatever. And you just kind of turn your brain off and you listen to a podcast, like who cares about men's health? Or you listen to an audio book or music or whatever, and that's gone. And just, you know, just having that, that, uh, that piece of routine out of our lives, I think has also contributed a little bit to that mental load. Okay. Number two, emotions can also uh, interfere with your working memory, that, uh, that precious resource that we've talked about. And Lord knows we've been through ups and downs with emotions and research has supported this. So if something stressful is going on in your life, it can make it hard to concentrate because you're, that, that, that memory that you want to reserve for solving problems, that working memory can be impacted by your emotions. So, you know, there's a lot stressful right now. COVID, um, how, you know, we're approaching life uh, with COVID, um, uh, what's going on in the government. Uh, some people got new pets and as rewarding as those are, those also can, you know, be <laughs> stressful and mm -hmm. uh, interfere with that. Uh, so emotions can also interfere with that working memory capacity. And I think a great example of that is if you've ever had a, fi a fight with your significant other before you've gone into work and it just kind of sits and chills in your brain and you can't get it out, right? That distracts you. That impacts your ability to use that memory for what it's meant to do, which is solve problems. Yeah. And I think that's a reality. I think we really need to acknowledge that just being in such close proximity to so many family members <laughs> you know, where before it was like there was work life and there was home life. I think that's impacted a lot of people, you know, and it's so funny. I got a, a, a holiday card from one of my friends from med school from his wife. She'd clearly written it because she's pretty funny, but uh, you know, she, she said something about, you know, 
days in quarantine with her two boys, X number of days, days homeschooled with the two boys, X number of days, you know, 76 days in home isolation with the boys, priceless. You know, it's just like, sure. Yeah, really priceless. It's kind of like, this is what we've been dealing with, with, you know, whether you've got your kids at home or whatever, a whole lot of emotions come with family. And that family time has, you know, in many cases, tripled or quadrupled. When you really look at the waking hours in a day spent with family members, and that comes with a lot of emotion. A lot of those are great emotions, you know, a lot of those are not so great. So that's, I think, been a big factor in the cognitive loading. And of course, all the other emotions that have come with with this uh, this whole situation. So that could that can really impact your ability to uh, concentrate and solve problems as well. And and another thing that can impact that working memory, that memory that's so important to you know thinking and reasoning through stuff and really being able to focus, is stuff that's not relevant to what you're currently working on. And they call this extraneous cognitive load. <laughs> um, I'm going to use my table saw analogy to this. <laughs> Uh, one time I was out working on a table saw, cutting a piece of wood, and I got done and I looked down at the saw and I saw where my fingers were and they were dangerously Ooh. close to the blade. That's, that, is the, that is the number one source of severed fingers, by the way, Scott. Is but it? anyway, yeah. go on. Yes, number one. <laughs> number one that I see. Yes. Anyway, it terrified me. And I'm like, how did this happen? How did I, how was I not paying attention? And what it was, was I had a bunch of other stuff going on in my brain at the same time, right? So when I cut that next piece of wood, I'm like, all right, I got to focus on that blade. There is nothing else in my world other than that blade right now. And I'll tell you, I had a moment of Zen and peace that I've never had in my life Hmm. when I shut everything else off and I just focused on the blade because all that other stuff that's not relevant, that's constantly running in the background, whether we realize it or not, um, was finally shut off. And my brain was like, oh. It was probably only working at about 10% capacity, you know, that, that working memory. So thinking about the next project or the next thing on the to-do list while you're doing something else is stuff that's not relevant to what you're currently working on. And when you do that, it impacts your ability to concentrate and focus. It impacts that working memory. Uh, wondering what the dog is doing in the other room. Like normally you're at work, so that's not a concern. <laughs> but when you're at home, it could be a concern, right? Mm-hmm. Those are distractions we didn't have at the office or thinking about the news of the day or your future. So if there's stuff that's not relevant to what you're currently working on, that takes up some of that cognitive capacity as well. How do you find that impacts you, Troy, that stuff that's not relevant to what you're currently working on? Uh, Well, I was going to say, Scott, my takeaway from your story is that I should really be doing very dangerous tasks because it requires my divided attention. I can put all that other stuff away. (laughs) Well, it's Uh, the power of mindfulness, really. Like I learned mindfulness through that almost accident. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, it's mindfulness out of necessity. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> like, right? You have to become very focused in that yeah. moment so you don't take your finger off. Because like yeah. I said, we see a lot of severed fingers from table saws. What do you catch um, What do you catch yourself thinking about that's not relevant to what you're currently working on? Do you have an example of that? Um, well, let's see, Scott. I have four dogs and uh, <laughs> how many cats? I, I just lose track of the cats, but you know, it's... <laughs> It's, it's, uh, it's itty bit. At the end of the day, you're, you're doing a cat hunt to, to track all the cats. Like, yeah, like one day, you know, you're working from home and it's windy outside and the front door hasn't closed completely and the door blows open. And I go downstairs, just like taking a break from doing some stuff on my computer. And I look and one of the kittens is just sitting there at a wide open door looking outside. And Laura's home and I yell to Laura, like, Laura, the door's open. 
count the cats. It's so hard <laughs> running around counting cats to make sure no one's escaped. And I immediately went outside to do a quick search to see if any of the kittens run outside and it's freezing cold outside. So that's one of my distractions working from home. When you that's got the pets, stuff that's not relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the stuff that's not relevant that then becomes relevant that would not have happened otherwise. Cause you would have been at work. The front door would have been locked. The wind would not have blown the door open, but because you're home, the wind blows the door open and cats are looking out the door wondering, huh, Maybe I should go explore out there. That's where all those cool birds are. I've been watching out the window, you know, you're just like, oh, great. Now I'm going to lose a bunch of cats. So, <laughs> so yeah, those are the, those are the, I think the inevitable distractions. If you have pets or you have kids or whatever else, it's just everything you could kind of just put on the back burner and not think about it's there with you 24 seven now. Right. And it's taking up that precious, precious working memory capacity and our ability to focus. And it's also making us mentally fatigued. So yeah. uh, what are some of the solutions here are some of the solutions. So by the way, I have to give credit to um, Christian Jarrett from BBC.com, who actually wrote the article that this uh, conversation is based on. We will put a link to the article in our show notes. But the solutions. So, you know, uh, the article goes on to say, normally we adapt well to new situations, but these aren't normal times because there are so many things that are new. There are so many extraneous uh, distractions and emotions are running high. So, um, what can you do? So one of the solutions was start to create consistency where you can and eliminate the other factors that impact our working memory. So double down on the routines. So if your routines have been blown up and you haven't developed new routines, every time you have to think about what you're doing, if you don't have a routine, you're using some of that, uh, that cognitive, you're, you're experiencing cognitive load. So sit down and develop some new routines. It could take some upfront work, but it can help get your life more back on autopilot. Number two, stress management. We're going to tie right back into the core four on this one, Troy. So you got to manage that stress to control those emotions. So eating well, exercise, and a bedtime routine if you've uh, uh, you know kind of abandoned your bedtime routine. So it's always great to see even when somebody else is giving us advice, how it comes back to the core four. And I'm going to add, build in a time where you give your, break a br uh, your brain a break from the world and what's going on. I think you need to build in those times in your day. I think at work, we used to have them. It was called going to a coworker's office and shooting the shit, but we don't have that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my thought on stress management. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to throw into stress management? Yeah, I, I've, I have come to value routines more and more. And what I, what I do, you know, we've, we've joked about my little day planner before, but <laughs> I will try and write out my day and I will try and at least have some structure to it. Like I say, okay, this is when I'm going to go running. Um, this is when I'm kind of prepping for the day. This is uh, when I'm going to work on this project. This is when I'm working on this project, just so there's some of that routine and that structure. So I'm kind of taking it off my mind, that cognitive load of, okay, well, I've got it three hours down to work on stuff. What am I going to do? And it also helps too to offload my mind when I have things that I just keep thinking about. And I just keep thinking about like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I just write it down. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it today. This is something I'm going to deal with on Wednesday. I'm going to send this email to this person and address this or, you know, or do this task or whatever. So I think that helps me. And yeah, you know, I think the bedtime routines become a little more important to me where now I'm kind of like, okay, at this time I want to start winding down. Um, you know, and then have, have a little time just to, just to sit in bed and read a book before falling asleep, just to, just to incorporate even more of a routine into that. So that'd be my advice. <clears throat> Anything you can do to structure your day, 
writing things down, um, putting tasks, writing tasks down so it's not always on your mind, moving that off so you're not thinking about it. And that's taking up some of that cognitive load. And then, like you said, Scott, the routines, either at bedtime or morning or or wherever you can have some sort of routine, some sort of structure that, uh, again, sort of put you on autopilot and uh, relieve some of that uh, that cognitive load you're experiencing. How about for stress management? What's your solution there? Eating well, exercise? You know, in stress management, again, we talk so much about exercise on here. I think, Scott, we're probably a little biased toward exercise because I think we both lean heavily on that for stress management. But you may have found other stuff that works for you, too, whether it's just gaming or watching sports or talking with your spouse or just taking your dogs for a walk or just watching friends on, you know, streaming it for the 40th time on Netflix or whatever, whatever it is. Do not feel guilty about taking that time and, and working that into the day. I think that's essential now more than ever, just in terms of that, just relieving that cognitive load and just turning your brain off for a while. And take a look at your diet as well. I, uh, I take a look at my diet and, uh, you know, that's a big part of stress management is eating that nutritious food. Uh, I probably could work on that. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and it's challenging because sometimes that becomes stressful in itself because, there's the guilt of not eating well. And then, you know, I don't know that, but that, but I agree. I, I feel less stressed when I'm eating healthy. I just feel better. My, you know, my, my body feels better. I think that just contributes to an overall sense of wellness. And number three, solution number three on how to control your uh, cognitive load is tune out that extraneous cognitive load. So Put a little bit more effort in organizing your time. Troy talked about routine already, but if you put a little effort in organizing your time, then you've got your dedicated times to do the things that you want to do during that dedicated time. Uh, I'm going to give you a goofy little thing I discovered that helps me. I have a timer I set for 15 minutes and I, I have these 15 minute blocks that I work in and I start the timer. And during that 15 minutes, I tell myself, this is what you're focusing on. And if I catch my mind wandering to something else, I gently say, no, we're focusing on this. In the next 15 minutes, what can I do to, to move this thing forward so I feel like I've accomplished something at the end of the 15 minutes? It keeps me from getting distracted to want to go to Facebook or uh, Amazon.com. Uh, and, and when the uh, alarm goes off, then I got five minutes that I can do something else, whether that's a little bit of exercise or whatever. But it's very Pavlovian. Like I hear the beep of the timer. Here, listen to this. I hear this and I know it's work time. That's, mm. that means that's it's brain. It's time to focus on this one thing. Mm. And when it goes off, then it's, you know, it's cool to focus on something else. So mm. that's what I do to try to tune out that extraneous cognitive load to really just focus on the one thing, just to do one thing at a time. You know, email time is email time. And then even beyond that, when it's time to be interacting with the dog or, you know, if you're, you have kids, you then put the phone down and it's kids time. So just really try to be, I think, cognizant of what am I doing with this time right now? And I'm going to be mindful and in the moment and dedicate my time to this thing right now. And for me, it's not just creating that that time, but also creating that space. That was a big adjustment for me. Again, just with the distractions at home and Laura working from home as well. Um Right now, I'm recording up in a little bedroom, a little spare bedroom we have. I'm not recording in my office because my office is downstairs near the TV, and I can hear <laughs> everything going on down there when I'm recording there. But this has become my workspace. Like I, I got a little desk here, a little fold-up desks. Forever, I was just, yeah, you know, you should have seen the setup I had here for months. I finally gave in and I said, I'm going to be doing this for a while longer. I might as well buy a decent desk. But I had like a little patio uh, table that I had in here and. Uh, 
you know, a chair I'd set up and some pillows I was setting stuff on. So it was sitting high enough. So it's kind of a makeshift arrangement, but I think having that space uh, also away from the distractions, you know, where you can focus. And and when you go in that room for me, like when I come in this room, it's like, okay, this is where I do work. This is my workroom. And um, the door's shut. I don't have pets in here or anything. I'm just working on stuff. And that seems to help as well. So at the end of it all, if you know somebody, if, if you or you know somebody and at the end of the day, you know, somebody in your life says, oh, I'm just so tired. I'm so mentally exhausted. And I don't even know why. Uh, these are some of those hidden things that you might not realize. Um, so, you know, the routines have, do you have routines in place or have they been disrupted? And are you constantly needing to manage those things that you do as opposed to being able to put them on autopilot? Have you had a particularly emotional day for one reason or another that can cause that mental fatigue or lack of focus? If you hear somebody say that, or you think that yourself, um, are you trying to do too many things at once? Uh, you know, do you have that extraneous cognitive load? If you hear yourself saying, I'm distracted, I'm mentally tired. Those are the places to look, at least according to this article by Christian Jarrett at bbc.com. And the link to that will be in the show notes. Final thoughts. I think the takeaway from this too is just to just recognize that this is a burden. You know, this is something that we're all experiencing. And it's, it's, uh, if you're feeling distracted, it's, there's a good reason for it. And if you're feeling mental fatigue, there's a very good reason for it. And these are some ways to potentially address it. But the first step, I think, is just acknowledging that this is real and it's something so many of us are experiencing. And, um, you know, don't feel guilty about it. I, I loved that, uh, Dr. Ben Chan talked a lot about this about a month ago on our podcast and just about giving yourself some slack, cut yourself some slack, cut other people some slack, recognize what they're going through, that they're experiencing the same uh, cognitive load and cognitive fatigue um, as a result of their routines being disrupted. So I think that's a big takeaway too. I think at the end of it all, us guys aren't very good at uh, necessarily recognizing these types of things. So I think just becoming aware of it is the first step. So hopefully this gave you some information into the uh, the workings of some stuff you might not have even realized existed that is impacting, you know, your mental health, your ability to concentrate, your ability to focus, your ability to um, just even feel well. So, yeah, that's how you end a segment. You just go, so, and so then, you play, and then you play I was, sounder. I was waiting for a Beavis and Butthead impersonation to end it. Oh, that's a good idea. So there you go. That's all you need to know about cognitive load. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can't do it. I can't do it as well as you can, Scott. <laughs> I think you're probably better Beavis than Butthead, really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I am. Let's hear I'm... your Beavis. Let's hear your Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a better Beavis. Than a <laughs> yeah, I'm a better Beavis than a Butthead. I'm not sure what that says about us. Is there like, I'm sure there's some sort of online quiz. Are you a Beavis or a Butthead? <laughs> and I don't know what it tells you about yourself, but whatever uh, it is, I'm a better Beavis. Uh, I think I'm pretty good at both, actually. Yeah, you are. You're <laughs> really good. <laughs> but personality-wise, who are you more? Or is there a real difference in their personality? Uh, um. Wow, this is getting they, deep. They seem now, pretty similar it? to me. Yeah. Like, like Beavis just, well, Beavis just <laughs> seems like kind of like frantic and kind of all over the place where Butthead is maybe a little more cerebral than Beavis. Beavis is the kind of, yeah, your friend that would, you'd just be like, you kind of liked hanging out with them because they were just hilarious and you never knew what they were going to do, but they kind of scared you too. Yeah. Uh, where Butthead, I think I'd be a little more comfortable hanging out with him. <laughs> He's a little more chill. <laughs> He's a little more chill. Uh, good Lord. This is a disaster. It's <laughs> a total train. See, this is, this is the proof of everything we talked about. Like we can't even focus long enough to talk about cognitive load. <laughs> Because we don't have enough cognitive space.
space to talk yeah. about it. And also, <laughs> I think it also uh, highlights the necessity to um, being able to offload some of that and take time out to just let it deprogram. To do like, a Beavis like, and Butthead impersonation. Yeah. To just go with it. Like, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying this. Like, I'm, my <laughs> mind is back. My mind's back to 1992, hanging out with James Maynard and Barry Coles and watching Beavis and Butthead. That's, that's where my mind is right now. And that's a good place. That's cool. I like it. And I would sing it, but I... No, 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 no. Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, do the honors of singing. You've been thundered bone. I can't do that, Scott. Come on. Thundered bone. I have to maintain some sense of dignity. Thundered bone. I'm sorry. I can't. I think you already did it. <laughs> All right. We're back with Thunder Jalili. He's our resident a nutrition expert. And uh, we're going to throw out another one of these um, things you might see on the internet or some of this common sense or, you know, th- something that you've believed for a long time. And we're going to find out if it's truth or if Thunder's going to debunk it on truth or Thunder debunked. Thunder, are you ready for your challenge today? I hope so. All right. Does eating at night really cause weight gains? Because there's this kind of, I think, this this wisdom that you're, you eat late at night and that's what's going to cause weight gains if you're eating like right before bed or something like that. So is that truth or th- are you going to Thunder debunk it today? Uh, no, I actually think there's truth to that. What? Good. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, don't tell me this is not true. Cause I, my whole <laughs> takeaway from all our discussions is, is, is this true? All right. Well, <laughs> go, go ahead and explain. So basically we talked in earlier podcasts about kind of the length of time that you eat, uh, in terms of like, what time do you eat in the morning when you wake up and then kind of when in the day you stop eating. And um, as we eat, our home, our insulin levels go up, and that's kind of the hormone to store nutrients like fat. So people that uh, do that late night snacking, you know, they got to have something at you know ten, eleven, twelve o'clock at night, um, maybe even later. They're kind of extending that whole time that they're putting calories into their system, and their insulin levels are high. So that's a recipe for you know storing fat. Um, so one of the you know ways that, that you know, we would like advise somebody if they want to try to lose weight, you know, what are some easy steps I can think about? Well, one of the easy steps is uh, try not to eat after dinner, you know, um, then you kind of have a, a longer time period where your body can go into that natural fasting state overnight. And that helps us control our weight. See, I'm so glad you said that thunder, because I have now, after all of these discussions we've had about this, I now watch the clock. I don't eat after eight. And sometimes it is a rush to get calories in before 8 p.m. <laughs> admit it's a little weird, but sometimes I am just like, okay, yeah. got to eat, got to eat, got to eat. Okay. It's eight o'clock. I'm done. So. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it depends on your work schedule too. Like I know some yeah. people, you know, work later, so you got to balance all that stuff, but yeah, it's yeah. a, you know, just try to shut it down after dinner. So if you do work later though, let's say you don't start eating till 6 PM and you shut it down at midnight, you're eating at night. Is that going to cause weight gains? Is there something about the night or is it really just about that time of yeah, eating, it, not eating? It's uh, not, there's nothing special about night. It's about the time period. So maybe it was thunder debunked then. So it's nothing about the night in general. It's more just that period between when you last ate and when you eat again. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I guess in that sense, it could be debunked. I guess I was assuming. Boom. I thunder debunked the thunder debunker. (laughs) Yeah, this is, 
This is an embarrassing day for me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it really is. So that has been debunked. Let's say you work just a late schedule or you're a night owl and you like to have a midnight snack, but you sleep in or you just don't eat in the morning. You get up, you exercise and you don't eat until lunch. And that's 12 hours between eating periods right there. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, your timetable definitely, definitely makes a difference whether the night thing is an issue or not. Now, now if I can, if I can defend myself for a moment though, (laughs) most people, you know, do have kind of a more regular schedule of having, you know, three meals more or less a day and then throwing snacks in there. So, so, so the night snacking, when I hear that, I assume that the person is, you know, kind of doing that normal three meals a day thing, but but yeah, to your point, if uh, that's not you, if your first meal doesn't come until four in the afternoon, then by all means, eat at 10. <laughs> all right. Well, that was, a, that was a fun one to work through. So it started out as truth, but then kind of turned into thunder debunked. There's nothing special about late night eating that is bad for you. It's more about are you keeping your eating within certain time limits? Like, are you eating only eight out of 24 hours, 12 out of 24 hours? That's what uh, makes a difference there. All right, Thunder, thank you very much for another great edition of Truth or Thunder Debunked. Time for Just Gonna Leave This Here. It might have something to do with health or it might be something totally random. Troy, why don't you go ahead and start off the first Just Gonna Leave This Here of 2021. So, Scott, I, I you know, I've, I've, I texted you about this experience, but I'm just going to leave this here about the bizarre experience I had the other evening. I had to run in the store, into the grocery store, and it was in the evening, and I ran in there, and I'm going in there just grabbing a few things, and, you know, I'd been in the store about five minutes. There weren't a lot of people there, and I get to the self-checkout area, and I realize I have gone through the entire store and collected everything I'm buying, you know, six or seven items, and I didn't have a mask on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was the most bizarre feeling. I was suddenly just so embarrassed and ashamed, and there were some other people there, and I noticed the looks from them. And I hadn't even thought about it up to that point. Like, I'm embarrassed even to mention this. Here I'm a physician, you know, we've got masks, all all this, we should be masking. And I just, I walked in there, I didn't even realize I didn't have a mask on. It was like the equivalent of, I don't know if you've ever had these dreams, Scott, where, you know, you're out in public and you realize you forgot to put your pants on. It's, it was, <laughs> it is like the 20, now 2021, but the 2020 equivalent of the stress dream about being in public and you don't have pants on and what do you do? And I seriously had that thought, well, do I pull my shirt up over my face? Do I put my arm over my face? What do I do? I just scanned everything as fast as I could. I didn't even put it in bags. I just scanned it, threw it in my cart and bust it out of there. It was, it was a kind of bizarre experience. Yeah, it's like, do you cover your hand with your mouth? Do you? Yeah. Well, that's what I do. Do you grab a? Do you grab one of the plastic bags and put that over your head? I thought about it. I thought, I'm like, well, there's plastic bag. I could put that over my mouth. And I thought, well, that's not a good idea. I won't be able to breathe. But yeah, <laughs> at least I won't be spreading COVID. <laughs> yeah, too it funny. Was, wow. It was weird. But yeah. Just going to leave this here. I told you uh, the last just going to leave this here for 2020 was I have gotten into puzzling and I finally completed that puzzle. Oh, well done. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm just really bummed out, Troy, that you don't enjoy puzzling more. <laughs> I because don't. Um, I, th- I, you know, Did you just, want me to join you for puzzling? Is that no, what you're no, you don't say? have to join me for puzzling, but I just want oh. to say I, I finished it. I enjoyed it. The last part I didn't finish pretty. 
Okay. Um, if it was like the World Puzzling Championship, it wasn't like I was looking at the pieces and putting them all together. It's a beautiful mind style. I'm like, I'm down to like, I don't know, 25 pieces that all kind of look the same. Yeah. So one by one, I'd find an area on the puzzle and I'd go this way. Nope. This way. Nope. This way. Nope. This way. Nope. And I'd put it off to the side and I'd go to puzzle piece number 24. This way this way uh, and that's that's how i finished the puzzle so yeah well scott i was gonna say when i don't do a pretty job of finishing a puzzle it usually means i'm just taking pieces and shoving them in places where they don't actually go <laughs> like maybe <laughs> trimming the edge a little bit be like yeah. okay that works okay that's good enough where's where's the hammer just where's hammering the them hammer. in just put it in yeah we're done <laughs> that, that's that's my way of finishing a puzzle and, and not doing it very nicely all right, time to say the things you say at the end of podcast because we are at the end of our podcast. First of all, please subscribe. We're on all the popular podcatchers, including iTunes, Spotify, um, Podbean. Yeah, we're just Podbean. We're, that's a new one for me. I don't know. I don't even know if that's a podcatcher. Did you, did you just pick that up? <laughs> no, it's a thing. I just okay. don't know if that's the place where people listen. But yes, yeah, your... I've got to throw out Pocket Cast every time. I'm going to throw it every time, Scott, because I know you hate it. But Pocket Cast. Uh, yeah, wherever you listen, you can get us. That's what I'm trying to say. And if you want to reach out to us, you can contact us at hello at the scope uh, Also, give us a call on our listener line, 601-55-SCOPE. We'd love to hear from you and get your questions. Uh, thanks for listening and thanks for caring about men's health.